Hey everyone, this is Mike Andes, and you are listening to the Business Bootcamp Podcast, and so thank you for being here. Today's show is sponsored by LandscapeBusinessCourse.com. It's the course I teach on how to go from zero to $100,000 in revenue each month in your landscaping business. So if you're interested in starting a business, if you want the step-by-step instructions on how I did mine, go to LandscapeBusinessCourse.com. You get free software with that package. And I promise you, you will love it. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into today. We're go- today I'm talking about compensation packages, how to set up your compensation package for your employees and the, the pros, cons of each type. And just not so much, I'm not, this is a comprehensive review of the different ways of compensating your people. It's more the ones that I'm thinking about right now, the ones I've heard about recently, because there's a bazillion different types. But the ones I've been thinking about recently, ones I've heard about, pros, cons, and what I think on the matter. So before we jump to that, a little bit of an update on what I'm doing. Obviously, I haven't been as involved on the podcast as far as recording. Uh, one reason for that is I'm, I'm having a little bit of a break from sponsorships, which means I don't uh, have to produce content on a regular basis. I'm taking a little bit of a break right now because I'm trying to get caught up on a lot of your emails, a lot of, you know, answering a lot of your questions. I get to just about every single one. Now with so many coming in, there are ones that fall through cracks. If that's, if that is you, you know, give me a couple months, email me again, and I'll, I'll probably be able to uh, reply then, but they occasionally will fall through the cracks. Like I used to be able to say, I ne- nothing ever fell through. It happens now. I'm sorry if it does, but like I said, if Give me a couple months, email me back, and, and I will respond or go through the website, go through a different route uh, to try to you know fill out the contact form, something like that. Uh, but I do really try to answer every single person. So um, that's what I've been getting caught up on recently. Uh, the last couple of weeks, I know I haven't been producing as much content. I haven't been as, as faithful with the, you know two episodes a week of the podcast. But um, I hope that the people I've been responding to have gotten value. And I'm not so much interested in building this podcast out to a million listeners a week as much as the couple thousand, three, four thousand that listen each day, uh, every single one of those people, most of them I have contacted, been in personal contact with via, you know, start trying to start, grow or save their business via email, phone, whatever it might be. So that's fulfilling to me. And, uh, that's what I wanted to make this podcast about. Not so much the numbers, because if that's, if I was going for numbers, I'd be doing collaborations, more interviews, and those are in the works, things we could do. Some of them, I'll actually do the interview and won't even post it. it it's more or less just for me to talk to the person and things like that. So uh, some of the, I just don't, I decide not to post on, on the podcast. But uh, I think the thing that I have, this, the reason I have this podcast is not for the money. It's not even so much for the exposure. It's for uh, being able to connect with people one-on-one and help them in their business. And so for now, that's the driving force. And so for right now, um, no sponsors as far as outside of just landscape business course and my own personal brand. So, uh, that's that. So sorry, I haven't been as consistent, but I've been also very busy. I last weekend I was in Dallas for a conference down there. Uh, it was a, a conference for service-based business owners. And so had a lot of fun. Thank you to everyone that was down there. It was a lot of fun meeting podcast listeners face to face and something I definitely want to do more of in the future as the podcast grows, uh, doing a meetups, things like that. It was just an absolute blast. A lot of people, uh, from the landscape industry and things like that 
that. So from Landscape Business Course podcast and the, and the course and things like that. However, uh, there was several listeners from this uh, Business Bootcamp podcast. So a lot of fun. I love, love talking to you guys. If you ever are at a conference and I'm there, don't feel ashamed to come up and talk to me. Uh, one of the people that w- met me at this conference in Dallas, they they came up to me on the Saturday and they said they had they knew it was me from Thursday when I, they saw me, and then Friday they saw me again. And but they didn't have the guts to like come up and say hi. I was like, I'm, I'm like I'm a short little dude. Like I promise, I'm not intimidating. So definitely, if you see me at a conference, definitely, absolutely come and say hi. And um, it, it's it's always a lot of fun meeting you in person. So obviously, you know this time of year usually we're slowing down and you know getting ready for winter and with landscaping you know mowing has stopped now we had a crazy first uh, snow november 2nd or was it, yeah november 2nd or 3rd and um yeah second actually second second november it snowed here in the pacific northwest we got a good solid like three four inches and what that obviously does is put a, a, a frost on all the grass and the grass stops growing. And of course, clients aren't needing it, their grass mode. So usually we're mowing right up through the end of November. So still another you know few more days and we're kind of winding it down now. However, that has already happened several weeks ago. So usually I'd say we were like, you know, going into our slow season and all of that. Um, we're still booked out like a good solid three, four weeks, which is great. It's great. I'm, I'm not complaining. Uh, and so that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, as you guys have heard me, if you listen to the landscape business course, you've been hearing me talk about how important it is for us to be keeping our guys busy year round in a seasonal business. And so it's very good signs when I'm coming into my quote unquote slow season and we're already weeks booked out. Uh, I think right now we're basically booked through, uh, almost to Christmas. And some of that we could probably fit a few more little jobs in, but uh, that's a good thing. Uh, my goal this whole winter is to keep the guys full time year round. And then that that way I know coming in next spring, I can hire more people knowing that if they have families that they can keep their job throughout the winter. So that's important to me. And I think, <coughs> excuse me, I think it's a part of keeping great employees, retaining those employees, especially if they have family, have obligations, they got to be putting uh, food on the table. And so uh, that's a big part of what we're doing. And this past, you know, three, four months, you've heard me talk about it. And it's been something, you know, driving force in my mind is keeping, keeping the guys, the guys busy. So it's kind of a big kind of personal success or something that I've been thinking about is not necessarily even that we're making a lot of money net profit. It's, uh, we definitely discount during the winter and we, that's how we've been kind of filling up the schedule is giving people incentive to wait until December and January when typically we're slower. And so, uh, that's been, that's been very good though. My, my ambition is not to make a bunch of money during those two months, but to keep the guys busy, keep them year round work. Obviously that's also the time they, I give them to go away for the holidays. They get a couple weeks off and they're able to travel, do whatever they want because they know the rest of the year they're probably going to be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week. So um, it's a good thing, also a chance for them to get out of town and we schedule accordingly. So uh, I'll probably make another podcast uh, a little bit more on that, on what we're doing for the winter work how we're going about advertising for that and promoting that. Uh, and really, it's it's so far been very successful and looking forward to how that's going to play out in January. One more thing before we jump into the compensation talk for today's episode is one other thing that we've been doing, you know, just kind of updating you on where we're at in our business. Uh, You know, a lot of times I talk about 
I talk about on on the, on this podcast. I talk a lot about Augusta Lawn Care Services. That's my landscaping company. What I'm going to there because I think the value for a lot of you is in the small business. You know, in sm- uh, small business where you're employing people, marketing things like that. I don't talk a lot about about you know the podcast and the revenue there or the. The, the course and the revenue there and how we're, how we're marketing that. Uh, I think a lot of the people listening to this are not the type of people that are going to get value from those things. Uh, this podcast is not meant for even inter- internet entrepreneurs as much as the small businesses, service-based businesses, uh, small business within communities, and they have uh, aren't online. They aren't, well, they have websites, but they don't have, uh, they're not selling products online. They're not, they're, their revenue isn't coming from an online source. They're actually going to people's properties. So that's the majority of the, the, the audience here. And I know that from just all of your feedback and the, and, and the people that call in and things. So, uh, the, I, that's why I, I talk about Augusta Lawn Care, kind of what we're learning and all of those things. So one of the other things that we've been doing recently that has, has been really cool, a lot of fun is we gave we did a Thanksgiving giveaway and we we made it really part of our social kick uh, as far as on Facebook is to uh, what we did is we 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 asked all of the our followers on our page to recommend people locally here in our in our county that families that they knew during this Thanksgiving time uh, were in need whether it be financially or they had health issues or family things were going on. And and to write us in if they knew another family that was in need, and so they what we did is we just put that as the video on our Facebook page, and then got quite a few replies back. Some people were like nominating themselves, but we got a few legit ones in there, and so we were able to find a family that really did need a lot of help. And the the father was a truck driver, uh, had an an, uh, an accident and got brain brain injury, and so hasn't been able to work. It, they lost their house. And they're living in a trailer, and they have several young uh, girls. And uh, so, what we're doing is we're, we put together a massive uh, food, kind of make a great Thanksgiving dinner from them for them. And then we got the money for uh, Ross for clothes, and then we got them trampoline passes to trampoline zones so they can have some fun. So, so that's been a lot of fun, and you know, just kind of putting a care package together with candles and and other things for them, cider for their for their, their dessert for Thanksgiving. And so trying to make this week special. And so that is another thing we'll probably talk about one of these days is my kind of stance on mixing charity slash community involvement with promotion. And I, there's a very fine line that I don't like to walk. And so this one was close to my, com- a little bit out of my comfort zone. I don't like to usually publicize what I'm doing uh, as far as giving away charity, things like that. So this one was a little bit different for me because I don't necessarily like to be in the pr- place of uh, of promoting a business and a for-profit company by charity. And so I don't know just my stance on it, And but it, it, it worked out good. And I think it created the awareness that I wanted in the community and then also you know obviously helped the company. There was a lot of shares, thousands of t- times it was viewed, the the. Uh, the, the video is shared a lot of times and liked and things like that. So it was good, for, you know, for the business. But then most importantly, the reason, you know, most important was for the family that was truly in need. And I think the reason we had to reach out via social was to get those families that I'm not acquainted with, don't know in the, in the community, might not be in touches, touch with, and we, we could get a, a broader reach as far as who needed that, that for this coming Thanksgiving. So uh, that was really good. 
uh, for the from a business standpoint, marketing, I think that's a, a great way to go. Like I said, there's I I have a lot of issues with mixing too much of that with your marketing. Like I'm not a huge fan of what some of these brands do when uh, for like relief efforts where they start saying they're going to give X amount of dollars, you know, for a home run or whatever uh, in, in sports. Uh, like why not just give the money? And it, it kind of comes down to you're either marketing your business or you're giving money away and you got to figure out which one you're doing. And um, I get there's awareness and things like that and I'm not against it. And that's, that's why that that's why this one was a little bit on the edge for me. Cause I'm kind of on one side, I want to give the money and I want to do it because I want to help. And I don't want to mix that too much with my business. I don't want to be trying to, you know, publicize giving in order to somehow make people associate my brand with good things and then come buy for my for-profit business. Um, I'd just much rather make a business that works, generates a lot of money, and then give that money behind closed doors or, you know, out of the public eye to the people who need it because that's what I want to do. Uh, so this was an interesting one for me. And like I said, I think I'll probably make an episode on this. It'll be a little more philosoph philosophical slash, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Kind of more along uh, ethics, ethics of business and things like that that I, I think about when it comes to those things. But it, it worked out good. And I think we'll get, you know, business side of it will be good. But most importantly, I'm happy that we can help a family. And I think we'll do things like that more in the future. One last thing I want to I do want to slip in here. Uh, we'll probably make a, a episode in the future about this one as well. And that's workers getting hurt on the job. We had our first ever workplace injury just recently. Well, let me think. Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, I basically didn't get any sleep last night, just researching everything about it uh, from the employee standpoint, from the employer standpoint, from the government standpoint, how it's going to affect rates. And I'm not so much worried about that. Like my main concern was that the employee, uh, all he did was broke his break his finger. However, making sure that he's taken care of, that he can get back to work, get back to providing for his family. And so um, it's, you think about it and, and uh, you make sure you're covered, but when it actually happens, it's a different story. And so really, really that past 24 hours I've been digging into that, obviously had to make a claim for L&I and things like that. And that, that's uh, that's not a bad thing. In no way should, I, I would never tell an employer to try to steer their employee away from getting L&I or making a claim. Uh, I actually took him to a clinic um, and, and, and made the claim for him and everything like that. So, uh, however, uh, it, it's interesting about, you know, when you start talking about health benefits and you start talking about workers' compensation, then you start talking about uh, time, paid time off. Like in our state next year, we're required to give people one hour of paid sick leave per 40 hours worked. So essentially that's a little bit over a week, about a week worth of paid sick leave per year. And so that, like, how is that, uh, how is that going to affect LNI? How is that going to affect uh, supplementary supplement uh, supplementing their health care benefits with things like disability or accident insurance and so it's, it's gonna be interesting I want to talk more about a little more nuts bolts uh, benefits kind of a, a, a podcast here come up pretty soon but all of that aside after jam you know, rambling for the past 15 minutes I want to jump right into the meat of what I want to talk about today and the reason this kind of all comes up is I was at the breakfast last week in Dallas, uh, the breakfast for this conference. And so there was probably, I don't know, probably six, 700 uh, attendees, service business owners, which is like, that's my 
alley. That's my demographic that I love. So I kind of thrive in that environment. I've been to other, other, other conferences. I have another one coming up in January, but they're not specifically for service-based industries and they're just more generic, which is fine. But number one, my podcast listeners aren't there. But then two, uh, it's just not, I'm not in that space as much. I'm not in the uh, internet entrepreneurship as much uh, that space and with those individuals and those thought leaders i'm not in uh you know corporate as much as 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 far as management styles and things like i get it i've you know been to business school but i am not constantly every single day like i'm in small business service-based uh industry and so like that's my niche and so that's why i like i said i don't expect this podcast to ever become as you know a tim ferris show or anything crazy like that i think I, I i like this niche i feel very comfortable talking about this niche and i feel it's something that i'm 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 pretty good at I have a little bit of experience at and i can with authority give advice slash encouragement and inspiration and so uh that's that's what i'm doing so anyways this whole conversation this whole topic of compensation and how to pay your employees and your team members stemmed from a conversation I had last weekend in Dallas during a breakfast with a group of the other attendees of this conference. And we were talking about the the, the ones at this particular table. They were uh, a couple business owners of landscaping and then some uh, a company that was a cleaning company. And so in the, in the landscaping industry specifically that this particular individual was talking about, they, we were, we were talking about how, you know, people like a big thing in landscaping is you know the labor problem uh finding right people keeping them on board compensating them correctly but not too much so you still make money blah 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 and so the question is how do you compensate your people to keep them engaged keep them engaged in the business in growing the company and making more sales and and yet not be paying them so much that you lose money and you end up going out of business. You know, I think as business owners, you have to realize that a good business, a successful business is made, is a win-win for everyone. It keeps your employees uh, happy. It keeps them because you can pay them. They can keep a job. So it keeps the employees happy. They get a job. It keeps the customers happy because if you run a good business and you have good profit margins, you can take care of your, your, your customers. You can give them good customer service. You can over deliver. You can deliver the wow effect and you give them things that they necessarily weren't thinking they were going to receive. You can kind of surprise them. You have the capital, you have the net, uh, profit to work with. And, and then obviously it helps you as a business owner. You might be able to take dividends. You might be able to take a bigger salary, whatever it is. So I think a, a business that's successful and is run efficiently is a win-win-win for you, your employees, and your customer if it's run correctly. And so when it comes to compensation, the big question is how, you know, you don't want to be paying someone too much because then the business suffers. And then you can't uh, grow or expand or hire more people or uh, you can't deliver customer service because now you have no money in the bank because you've paid people too much. Uh, and on the other hand, you don't want to pay them too little because then they might become skilled and you know, get experience where you, where you are in your business and they'll go to a competitor who's willing to pay $5 more an hour or $5,000 more a year or whatever it is. If, and so 
I think regardless of your industry, this is a big question is keeping good people. And we all know, you know, good people is a good thing to have in your business. And I truly believe, like I've said before, that people are your greatest, are your business's greatest asset above your equipment, your real estate, uh, whatever other uh, uh, accounting term. And I don't use terminology on the podcast very much, but like whatever you want to do, uh, as whatever asset group or category you want to look at, whether it be, you know, fixtures, whatever you want, you know, landscape, your, your your real estate, your buildings, your capital improvements, whatever it is, you look at your balance sheet, your greatest asset, even though it might not have a number, is your people. And so people might say that, business owners might say that, but the way they treat their employees says a whole different thing. And so the reason I think this is so kind of, you know, where I'm at and the reason this struck home to me during that breakfast when he was talking is because this is something I think about every single day. It's constantly what I'm thinking about. How do we walk the fine line between keeping our employees engaged, keeping them around forever, giving them the right compensation, uh, making sure that they come and and they want to come to work. They feel engaged. They feel challenged. They feel like it's a place they can grow. So let's set aside the whole aspect though for now of this conversation of creating a culture. That's a massive, massive part of keeping people on board as far as creating a good company culture, making sure that they feel safe, making sure that they feel that they have a place uh, 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 where they can grow. Uh, uh, another, uh, They can grow at the company. They can grow into different areas of the business. They can grow into uh, different positions. And so they can gain experience and knowledge and, and move up you know, in, in the business. That's one thing, okay? That's culture. That's that's a completely different set of what we're talking about today. Today we're talking strictly about compensation because I can guarantee you no one's going to you know, have a great culture, but work for free. Very few people will do that, right? Uh, you're going to have to compensate people dollars and cents, whether that be hourly, sour, salary, uh, benefits, all the ways that you compensate somebody, you're going to have to pay them. And so... Obviously, the big thing is to focus more on culture and the why of your business and inspiring them to stay with you and making sure they realize they're going to have places to grow and they're going to learn things in your business and they're going to meet new people and they're going to enjoy the people they work with. That's a massive, massive part of retaining employees. However, another part of that is compensation. And so when I was talking with these guys at at this breakfast, one of them was saying one of the ways that he pays his guys because in landscaping the one of the biggest wasting the biggest ways to waste money is drive time in between jobs of mowing drive time uh stopping at at uh, uh, gas stations for breaks that's time down like basically a landscaper you can make 60 to 100 dollars an hour while they're on the job but they might spend 50% of their day driving a truck unloading at the shop putting in equipment at the beginning of the day, fueling up, taking a lunch break, taking a bathroom break, you know, on their cell phone. So like there's a massive amount of waste. And so what he did is he did, what he did for his compensation is he gave them minimum wage unless they were clocked into their job and then he gave them like 20 plus an hour. And so what it did is it incentivized them to load up their truck quickly in the morning, get their crew together, get to the job as quickly as possible, not take uh, a long extended breaks at gas stations, going to the bathroom, dinking around, taking lunch, you know, yeah, you know, chatting away, cigarette, taking a cigarette, whatever it is. 
uh, then it would incentivize them to not just be, you know, sitting at the job, sitting in the front uh, driveway, not actually working. It incentivized them to maximize the amount of hours that they were actually performing income-producing activities, which is the work of a landscaper, mowing and landscaping, whatever it is, tree work, whatever they're doing. And so he would do minimum minimum wage for non-income producing hours. And then as soon as they would clock in a job and then clock out, that was the time that they would get for 20 plus an hour. So obviously he said it completely changed their business. He said all of a sudden guys were showing up on time and, and literally hustling their entire crew to the, to, into the truck and getting the equipment in as fast as they possibly could and, and then getting the property as soon as possible and getting out and getting the work done. And, and trying to maximize those hours that they're actually on site. And he said it completely changed their business. And so he, this is where basically this entire conversation comes down to, should you pay people based upon performance, performance-based pay, or should you pay them a set amount and have set increments of salary increases or hourly rates? So... I, my philosophy on this is kind of in between. And first when I heard that, I thought that's a brilliant idea. And there is definitely very immediate uh, positive repercussions of doing that. Number one, the guys will always make sure they punch in and out of jobs, which is kind of a problem in our industry, um, making sure you can track them and things like that. But when they, when they are suddenly incentivized by a large amount of money, doubling their hourly rate to make sure they're clocked into the job so they get the money while they're at a job, suddenly that, that problem take care, takes care of itself. The problem of them stopping a lot of times at gas stations and, and wasting time suddenly disappears. The, them you know talking and chatting it up in the morning and when they get back at the shop on the clock, suddenly that reduces a big time. And so there's immediate effects. And I think, this is my opinion, and I, this is my opinion here. So, but I think that this is a short-term solution to a long-term problem. I think that this would work for a year, maybe, maybe two years. But if you don't constantly, what you're doing in that situation when you're doing those two-tiered compensation plans, you're basically putting the carrot in front of the horse, saying, "Hey, like chase after this carrot." And, you know, if you do X, Y, and Z, you'll get more money. I think that money should not be the sole driver for the performance of your people. And that if money is the only thing that drives them, in the, in, in the case of a tiered system where they're doubling pay, like that's massive incentivization, right? I just think that if money is the only thing that can get your people to move quickly, move efficiently, contribute to the team. I think there's a flaw in the business. I think short term, it'll have good effects. I think you will become more efficient. I think people will get on the job faster. I don't think long term, that person's going to want to constantly be chasing after the carrot. I think that when they realize one day that something goes wrong in the truck or something, like you have a flat tire and all of a sudden they're, they're paid minimum wage the entire day or something happens at a job site and they are paid minimum wage for two or three days straight because something went wrong and they are not actually producing income. I think that might become a problem. I think that it'll help, it'll, will hurt the morale of that employee and I think it will make them start to question the validity of the relationship they have with the employer. 
I think that things like trust, communication, teamwork, and culture will bring your people together in the same way as a performance-based, an aggressive performance-based uh, uh, pay structure will, compensation plan. Now, I'm not against performance. Like, I want to make this very clear. I'm not against performance-based pay, especially for salespeople. Like, that's a different conversation. Um, but when it comes to, like, laborous jobs and, and, and hourly workers, I truly believe there's a fine there's a, there's a, a middle of the road here. I think that you should have set increments of of dollars. That so for instance, I'm just going to tell you what our, ours is. When people start out, they start at 16 bucks an hour. After one year, they go to 18. After two years, they so like after 24 months, they they're at 20 dollars per hour. Um, guys have gone from that 16 to 20 in less than six months. If they're that good and they're managing jobs and they're just that amazing, they're going to go faster. But if they stay on with the company consecutively, they're, and after a year, they're going to go to the 18. After two, more, after two years, they're going to go to the $20 an hour. Now, you might say, well, that's just not fair because what if someone's really good and another person's average and they're, they're going to be making the exact same amount of money after two years? That is true. The thing is, if you get enough people and you constantly have enough people attracted to your company because of the culture, because of the good pay, all of a sudden, if someone's making 20 bucks an hour after year two and you, you ask yourself the question, are they worth it? And that answer is no. Now you have a good supply of people to draw on because your, your compensation is higher. That's how I think of it. So our, our industry average in our area is probably more like a 13 to $15 an hour start, uh, uh, like hourly rate for a lawn care landscaper, even less $12. They'll start 10, even as low as some. So to start at 16 is pretty good. To go to 18 after one year and then 20 after two years, guaranteed, if you stay on on uh, employment, that's unheard of. And so people are attracted to that. I can have a good inflow of, of potential employees and team members coming in. And so what happens is it puts pressure on the people that are in the system, the team members. If they think of slacking off, they also realize that there's a massive inflow of potentially experienced and well-qualified candidates that could take their position. And so it puts the pressure on them to realize that, okay, if, if I'm not performing up to $20 an hour, $20 an hour, I might get kicked off. And so that's how I run my, my, my the boat, right? If they're doing, a, excuse me, if they're doing amazing, like managing jobs, doing off the charts, they're going to get paid more. They're going to go up faster than the, the, the standard rate of 16, 18, 20. However, if they stay employed with us, it's the reason I do that is I realize the cost of turnover and the cost to train new employees. I don't want to have a big turnover. I want them to stay here one, two, three plus years to be able to really get the value out of them from a financial standpoint. And so I realized the cost of turnover, you know, hiring, they say hiring a bad employee uh, will will cost you uh, half of their annual salary. And then uh, f not firing a bad employee can cost you up to a year's worth of one salary. I don't know where they got those numbers. I just heard it at a conference. <laughs> so take those with a grain of salt. But there's no doubt a lot of of, of, of issues financially with hiring the wrong person or not firing the wrong pe people that are, make it onto the team. So if you have that great inflow of, of potential employees, that, that problem of not firing 
is a little easier because you, you don't have any fear of firing when you have a, a massive amount of prospects that can fill their spot. It also puts pressure on them to perform and keep up to the standards of a $16, $18, $20 an hour higher to make sure they don't get replaced. Um, and so, like I said, I'm, I'm in between. The performance thing, I get it, but I don't think that money should be the main driver for why employees are loyal to your company. I think it'll work for the short term. I don't think it'll work for the long term. But rather, if you create a, a loyalty and trust and communication between your employees and they feel a sense of belonging and they feel like when they are, when they're sick, you're there. You're, you're giving something to their family. You, you are making sure that you little little things like writing a limo letter at Thanksgiving or Christmas or doing something of small things actually will generate more goodwill and cause them to become more loyal to you as the employer. And so if some, if they're, if they're, if a competitor does offer them a couple dollars an hour more, that's maybe not a conversation they'll even entertain because they want to stay with their culture. And so one thing we're looking at now is like, okay, after six months, on the job, should we offer benefits? You know, whether it be healthcare benefits, or even if we just supplement the healthcare, dentist or vision or whatever. Is there a way for us to create that long-term relationship? I truly believe that when it comes to an employee-employee relationship, the more that you you uh, you, you show that you are investing in them, the more they're going to invest in you. What I mean by that is the more I invest time, energy, and money into my people, whether it be in the form of dollars or it be in the form of education and in improving their skills or communicating, just speaking to them and developing a friendship, those investments that I give to my people will return to me many times over in the investment of their time, their energy, their uh, overtime, like when the going the extra mile, that investment will come back to me because they'll, they'll be willing to invest back into the company. And so I believe that creating a great company culture and creating employees that want to invest back in the company, invest their time, work the extra hours, they will do it if, if they have complete buy-in to the company. And I don't think that just pay alone creates that buy-in. When the going gets really, really tough, the people that will stay with you are the ones that have bought into your culture, have bought into you as the as the owner, believe in your cause, believe in your mission, believe in the future. They're, it's not the ones that were chasing after the dollar. Because what happens, this is the question I did not ask, but I was thinking on that day last week at breakfast in Dallas when this guy was talking about his compensation plan. I was thinking this, what happens when one of your crews is driving down the road, heading towards one of their jobs, and on the side of the road, another crew has a flat tire? If you have an incentivized plan, a a compensation plan that makes it more advantageous for them to pass that crew, other crew that is on the side of the road and has a flat tire, you have incentivized them to essentially completely go around their, their team members and continue to the job. And you really can't blame them for doing that. Now, what is it going to make the team members on the side of the road feel like? Now they see their 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 fellow team members pass them because that team doesn't want to stop and make minimum wage to help their team member. Now it's become a huge dollar game. The amount of 
of, of like he even admitted he's had two fights break out in his shop over people that are arguing over uh, people being too slow getting to the trucks. You might say that's a great problem to have employees arguing over how fast they can get to the trucks and get the equipment there. Yeah, but is that really good for morale? Are you are you fostering the kind of culture? Are you fostering the environment and the atmosphere that is going to allow your employees to thrive? And if you're not, yes, it might help you in the short term with the money and the dollars and more efficiency, but I promise you people will not want to stick around when there's that, that kind of cutthroat, over-your-shoulder watching mentality in your business. And that's what I fear about performance-based uh, compensation. I do believe it drives the results monetarily. I do believe for salespeople, it's still a massive premium, but I truly believe that people need to be able to feel a connection to the business outside of the dollars that you give them. So I'm not saying that performance-based pay is wrong. I think you've got to figure it out for your business, how it works, but how it doesn't reign and govern every action of your employees so that they are more than happy after the job, when they get back to the office to help someone else out, to go lend a helping hand to a crew that is not on their route, to to do something above and beyond. That's what creates camaraderie. That's what creates lasting relationships. And that's what creates long lasting team members. People that stay with on you, stay on the crew for five, 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 ten plus years. And the stories of companies that have done that keep people long term and don't have that massive turnover. They're the ones that can create legacy, that can create culture, a culture that stays together and is is sticky. Because a company that is constantly has turnover there's no there's no uh there's no consistency you can't create a culture when people are only staying on average six months and so i truly believe that in our small businesses we've got to create a culture for our employees that they want to stay and that when that culture is built new employees that come in will buy into you as a company much faster i've seen that most in our one of our most recent hires how quickly he adopted our culture and I believe it was because when he came into it, it was strong enough for him to realize and want what we had. He wanted the feeling of the camaraderie and he wanted the feeling of, he because he wanted to have a company that he actually knew the future of and what our goals are, what our mission statement was, why were we doing what we were doing? What was the long-term vision of the company? And he, he wanted that, saw it, saw the culture and bought in, quote unquote, bought in, whether it be going the extra mile, learning new things, uh, trying to put in the, the, the overtime to get the client happy and and really do things beyond what a, a, an employee quote unquote would do he becomes a team member and so i've seen the power of that even recently and i think i truly believe that if you make compensation and dollars alone the primary and driving force of someone's performance that'll be a short-term action that will eventually eventually i don't know if that's in a year i don't know if in that if that's in five years but it'll eventually break It'll, whether it be a sickness in their family, a calamity that happened to them, they go through some sort of life-changing event or change of, of circumstance or their, their whole outlook on life changes. And suddenly, whether it be money slips in their value system or they have a health issue and they realize that compensation is what you're... Because if, you're, if your main driver and, and key performance indicator for someone's 
how they're doing at your company and how much they're contributing and how good they are as an employee. If, they, if their key performance indicator is dollars to your organization, they will pick up on that very quickly. And I think it'll reduce morale. And so I don't even know how to explain some of this stuff. I just think that my few years of experience with employees, with team members, building culture, I truly believe compensation can't be the driving force. It's got to be there. And it's important to make sure you pay people correctly, make sure that if they are managing, taking on new roles, new responsibilities, that you do pay them more. I believe in that. But I truly believe if I were you, I would focus on how do you create uh, team loyalty without using dollars. And that might not necessarily mean you pay them less. It might actually mean you pay them more but it makes it more about what they're contributing to the team instead of how, what the dollars they're contributing to the top line revenue. I think that's important. I can't explain it. Been Business Bootcamp Podcast. I'm Mike Andes. Thank you for listening to the Business Bootcamp Podcast.